Welcome everybody to today's Bible study. Today we're going to be speaking on the topic of obedient servants of God give him his rightful place. God never changes. We do. He does not conform to our fallen declarations and decrees that do not understand who he actually is. He speaks, we obey. John 14 verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We are not on the throne. God is. I am means he is everything he says he is, everything that has ever been and ever will be. Nothing can be conceived outside of him. He does not need us to make him what he already is. Clay does not make the potter. We do not have the power to declare and decree. We have the command to obey the declarations and decrees of our master. It's a complete flip of a mindset. If the only begotten son of God went around calling himself a servant, why are we who are so much lower than him unwilling to submit to his service and be called servant in every aspect of the word. Why are we so proud and unsubmissive? That is not the nature of God. That is the nature of Satan and fallen man. The two of them mimic each other. Mark 10 verse 42 to 45. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13 verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. When we declare and decree things and say, you know, I declare and decree that God is exalted. When was he not exalted? You don't have the power to make God something that he already is. I declare and decree that God will be glorified in the situation. You can't. You don't have the power to give God what he already is. He is glorified whether you acknowledge it or not. He is on the throne whether you acknowledge it or not. He is exalted whether you acknowledge it or not. You cannot take away from who he is. We cannot make declarations and decrees saying God is this when he already is. We sound foolish when we do these things. We can acknowledge who he is. We can bow to who he is. But we have zero power to declare and decree that God is exalted over the nations. Uh, he is. <laughs> he already is. We don't have any power to declare and decree that. He is it is a fact we're just stating a fact there's no power in that 1 corinthians 4 verse 1 to 2 this is how one should regard us as servants of christ and stewards of the mysteries of god moreover it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy 2 timothy 2 verse 15 do your best to present yourself to god as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed 
rightly handling the word of truth. Those who are servants of God handle his word correctly. They handle it with reverence, honor, and a holy fear because God and his word are one. They don't pervert his word. They don't seek their own understanding. They don't seek their own perception. They seek to be taught by the Holy Spirit and they seek his perception on how he views what he has said and how he applies his word to specific situations. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man. The only begotten Son of God made himself nothing. Why do we go around exalting ourselves, looking for attention, wanting to be heard, wanting to be seen, when Jesus made himself nothing? Nothing can't be seen. Nothing can't be heard. He wasn't looking to be seen or heard. It was the Spirit of God in him that pointed to God. That is what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God must be seen. The Spirit of God must be heard. The Spirit of God only points to himself. It never points to a man. Matthew 23, verse 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2 to 6. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in the trickery or distorting the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2 to 6. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When I read this particular passage, the things that jumped out to me is that the servant of God does not tamper with God's word. It is not about our perception. It is about his, what he meant when he said what he said and how it applies. God and his word are one. We do not tamper with God's word because we cannot change God and we cannot change his word. The other thing that jumped out is that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. And this is where we have to be very, very careful because this is what the Holy Spirit was saying to me when he highlighted this portion of scripture. And it goes right back to a 99% correct Christ, but 1% wrong is still a false Christ. It has to do with can you give up your preconceptions? Can you give up what you believe is wrong about God? And can you align 100% to who he says 
he is. Because if we cannot make that change, if we cannot give up the things we believe is true and right to hold on to what he says is true and right about himself and that is confirmed through his word, then our eyes are blinded by the God of this world, by Satan. And we are then unbelievers. That is what the scripture says. When we do not believe that God is exactly who he says he is, we are unbelievers because we are not believing that he is who he says he is. That means that our eyes are blind and the truth of this gospel is veiled to us. We cannot call ourselves a child of God if we do not believe what he says. If we do not believe that he is exactly who he says he is. When we change who God is, then we have created a God unto ourselves. We are not believers in the great I am. We are not believers in Adonai. We are believers in a God of our own making. We are believers in a false Christ, a God unto ourselves that fits in the box of our limit limited understanding. God is not confined to our limited understanding. He is not confined by us. He is way beyond anything we can comprehend. And so we cannot box him in because our minds cannot understand him. We need to submit to who he says he is and give up ourselves to who he is. Church, can we please stop trying to turn God into something he is not? We cannot declare and decree what he already is. We don't have that kind of power. To think that we can exalt him to position that he already holds is laughable. He is who he says he is regardless of whether we recognize it or not. He does not step off his throne so we can declare and decree he is enthroned. He does not give up his glory so we can glorify him. His glory is part of who he is. Our inability to recognize God's glory, the attributes of God, the sovereignty of God, the immutability of God, his various characteristics and his attributes, his worship, all have to do with our fallen nature. God doesn't need us to worship him and glorify him and exalt him and enthrone him. He doesn't need us to do any of those things. They are already part of who he is. We need to do that for our sakes, for our own salvation. We need to acknowledge God for who he is. We need to fear him for who he is so that we can be saved by him. Colossians 1 verse 16, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All things, visible and invisible, physical and spiritual, all are created by God for him, for himself, not for you. You benefit because of his goodness and his grace, but all things are created for him. All things, whether we consider them good or bad, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Why? Because he is glorified in all things. Regardless of our perception, God is always glorified through everything. We cannot understand that. But in God's mind, because of who he is, everything leads right back to him.
So all glory goes to him. <laughs> we just acknowledge that fact. We don't glorify him because he already is glorified. We can worship him and we can acknowledge that he's glorified and we can acknowledge those things and we can put that praise and that worship where it belongs by doing that, by declaring and decreeing that we glorify him and enthrone him and do things that he already is. It's nonsensical. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Put on the mind of Christ so you can understand what makes sense to the nature and character of God. Put on the mind of Christ so that you can see things the way that he sees it. So you don't look foolish in the sight of God. Time is contained in God because he existed before time began. He exists after it ends. He is already at the beginning and at the end all at the same time. This world and everything in it and everything we are is time-based with an expiration date. Yet these created expiring beings think they have the right to tell God who he is when he is so far beyond what their minds can conceive or comprehend. What is wrong with us? What have we done, church? Why have we reduced God to the place of servant running to fulfill our every dictate? Why have we reduced him to the box of our minds when he is so far beyond our comprehension? Why do we create images and vain imaginations of him that are so far from who he really is? Why are we so consumed with glorifying false images of his physical form that we fail to truly see him for who he actually is? Why are we so disobedient how can we possibly claim to be children of God when we are identifying as sons of disobedience through our behavior and the works of our hands? The sons of disobedience follow Satan, Ephesians 2 verse 2. If we are not doing what God says, being who he says we are, servants, not walking in complete obedience to him, not recognizing him for who he truly is, thereby making a God unto ourselves, then we are sons of disobedience who follow Satan. That is a fact. Let's call it what it is based on what the word of God says. Let's stop trying to make ourselves feel better about our sinfulness and start to recognize how truly fallen we are and how it is a daily battle to crucify the flesh and truly be a servant of God most high. I am going to pose the exact same question to you that God has been asking me over and over the past few weeks and months. And every time I am, I am faced with a choice, just a regular choice, that is easy for me to rely on my own understanding, is easy for me to just make a decision. I am finding myself constantly challenged by what he says to me in those moments. And it brings me so low. And to such a place of brokenness because I realize in those moments how far I am from where I should really be. This is what he keeps asking me. Who is your God? How big is he? How big do you want your God to be? If we turn to something other than God first when we make a choice, that thing that we've turned to is our God in that situation. If I have good news, who's my first response? Who's the first person I speak to? Who's the first person I turn to? Is it God? 
Is he the one that I turn to and praise and thank? Or do I pick up the phone, call my husband, call my best friend, call, tell my kids? Who is my God in that situation? Who is my first response? What is my first response? If I need the answer to a question, do I turn to man first? Do I turn to my own understanding, my own knowledge? <laughs> do I turn to Google? Do I turn to experts? Do I turn to friends? Or do I first ask him to guide my steps to the answer? James 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. If I need healing, where do I go to first? Do I turn to ibuprofen? Do I turn to medicine? Do I turn to the things that I know how to do? Do I call my doctor? What do I do? Who is my healer? God or man? When someone comes to me for advice, do I speak of my own accord, my opinion, or do I only say what the Spirit of God compels me to say? Nothing more, nothing less. I wish people would realize the amount of damage we can do when we speak of our own accord because we rely on our own understanding and perspective. Do you know how many people have been hurt and destroyed by our good intentions and good advice based on our knowledge, experience, and limited perspective that does not take God's best for that person into account. Who is the real expert on each of us, man or God? When the creation has a problem or malfunction, the manual, also known as the Bible, should be consulted. And if an answer still can't be found, because it's very difficult to try to read the whole Bible to find the answer to your problem, then speak to the Creator who knows exactly why His creation is functioning the way it is and the eternal purpose behind what it's doing. And I found that true whenever I dealt with my son and things were difficult. James 1 verse 5 was my go-to. I lacked wisdom. I kept going to God for the answer. And every single time He would guide my steps. I learned about food sensitivities and gluten sensitivity and um, sensory deprivation and all kinds of things because God guided my steps. And it was always six months ahead of anything that science put out. It was always six months ahead because God guided my steps when the knowledge did not exist. I had no clue what I was doing. I just kept going to my son's creator. God, I don't know why he's behaving this way. I don't know what's wrong. Show me. And every single time he was faithful to come through and show me and guide my steps so that I would not harm my child. When I'm anxious and depressed, where do I turn? Is God my peace? Is he my shelter in the storm? Is the Holy Spirit my comforter? Or is man my first call? Do I turn to my husband? Do I turn to my friend? Or do I turn to God and bring everything to him in prayer? Do I let my requests be made known to him? Where do I go to get all my needs met? Is my provision found in God? Or man, who is my source? Matthew 6, verse 7 to 8. And when you are praying, do not use thoughtless repetition, as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. In Christ Jesus. Psalm 37 verse 25. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Philippians 4 
verse 6 to 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 to 21. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver implements, but also implements of wood and of earthenware. And some are for honor, while others are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be an implement for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Church, we are constantly making choices. What do you choose to be? A vessel for honor or one for dishonor? You have the choice to be a vessel for honor. Cleanse yourself. Sanctify yourself. Study the word of God to be approved of him. Let the Holy Spirit, not man, be your teacher. It is time to align to who God is. Put away the incorrect teachings of man that have perverted the word of God and erected a God that is so far from who God really says he is. The only thing that stops us from aligning 100% to who God is, is ourselves. Our inability to give up what is left of ourselves and our fallen understanding. Remember, a 99% correct Christ with 1% wrong is still a false God. God is 100% who he says he is and 0% who we say he is. If the Spirit of God lives within us, he will declare himself to be 100% who he is, and it will match 100% to what the Word says he is. Can we truly crucify ourselves 100% and submit to that kind of declaration? In it, there is zero flesh, zero self, zero anything that points to man. And I know it's possible to align 100% to the Spirit of God because Jesus did. And if he did it, then we can do it. I asked God, when do I align 100% to who you are? And he said, when you stop questioning who I am. When you stop questioning what I do. Jesus didn't question the Father. He just submitted to his will. But we don't understand God. I don't understand God. So I have a lot of questions. And I ask, and I ask, and I seek, and I seek. And each time I find him, and he is faithful to answer. He is always faithful to answer. But I would like to get to the point where I align 100% with who he is. And like Jesus, I don't question his will. And I don't ask why, but I just submit and obey fully to what the Father says. Without delay, in his perfect timing, just doing what he says. 
because I have finally aligned. I have enough faith. I have whatever it is that I need to align 100% to who he says he is, where there is zero deline left and just Christ in me. That is where I want to be. Why do we fear death? Why do we, the children of God, fear death? To die is to see the face of God, to be in his presence constantly without being separated by sin. Shouldn't the children of God want to see their father face to face and be reunited with him, never to be separated from him again? We should be working hard to run the race that is set before us. To get to that finish line, instead of fearing the things of this world, nothing's going to take you out unless God allows it. That is the truth. Nothing can touch you unless God allows it. God is not the problem. We are. We don't believe he is who he says he is. And because of that, we are all in danger of bowing to man and taking his mark. The number of man is six. The spirit of man is anti-God. It is anti-Christ. We have a faith and an obedience problem. These are issues that stem from a heart that is not aligned correctly with God and his word. Are you willing to give up what's left of you to fully align to him, even if it costs you everything? Who is your God? How big is he? Let those who have ears hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church.